Hey, what's up, guys? It's John Nelson, and you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. Guys, this is a show for complete athletic development. Our objective here, our mission, our purpose is to give you guys the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. Now, if you're new to the show, appreciate you joining. Thank you. We operate slightly different than your standard podcast, so let me break all that down for you. Um, actually, as usual, I'm here with my co-host, Chris Scarborough. Good afternoon, sir. What's up? Good afternoon, guys. Um, all right. You're actually going to find that we have uh, multiple shows within the show. So the first episode you'll hear from us is a bi-weekly Q&A. That's where Chris and I will take the questions you guys submit to us about training, rehab, health, uh, performance, the neuro voodoo stuff that we do, all that good stuff. We'll tackle those on the Q&A. Chris, where can they submit the questions? Info at startingblockpodcast.com. Yes, you can also leave a comment on the YouTube page if you want. That's fine. Um, I checked those. I asked if you please, you know, please don't DM. I mean, you can DM us, but it's just kind of hard to keep track of stuff. So, um, yeah, either email it to us or um, leave a comment on the YouTube page. Um, that's episode uh, one. Uh, the other episode you'll hear from us is another bi-weekly episode. That's a guest interview that is just like every other podcast out there on the planet. That's where we're going to bring in our friends, colleagues from across the country, across the globe. They're going to share their stories of how they win with their clients, their patients, what they do in their practices, their facilities. And ultimately, it is um, something that you can network with, people that you can network with people that share the same values and core mission, um, you know, that we do. Um, and I'm super, um, uh, proud to see that that's what it has become. And that is uh, what today is. And we'll bring our guest on here in just a second. Um, and then the final episode you'll hear is that quarterly ish episode of that Friday fire fact. It's about 10, 20 minutes of me just kind of brain dumping on you talking a little bit about something that might've happened in uh, my facility, um, or something just over 16 years that, uh, you know, a reoccurring theme I've gone through. I think some of you younger coaches or athletes, um, or parents, uh, might benefit from. Um, let me think. Oh, uh, other thing I've almost uh, left out. Remember, guys, we don't run ads on this show. Um, Chris and I do this. Um, we pay for this out of our pocket. Um, we don't get compensated for it. So all we ask is that if you get value out of the show, just share it, please. Um, send us a friend. Um, bring a friend. Help spread the message because um, that's what this is all about. This is a mission. Um, this is a project, and uh, we appreciate the support. So that, uh, so pay your dues and share the show. And I think that is about uh, about it. So yeah, without uh, without further ado, um, I want to welcome back Dr. Jack Cruz. Good afternoon, Woo-hoo. sir. Hello, how are you? How are, we are doing well. How about yourself? Cannot complain. Even if I did, it wouldn't matter. So why bother? <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're down. You're down. Uh, you're down in El Salvador now. So yeah, <laughs> I think uh, things going well. Yeah. Well, man. Um, for those of you that uh, haven't um, been following us for a while, I do encourage you to go listen to. Um, Dr. Uh, Jack's or Uncle Jack's first episode. I want to say it was in the 50s-ish. So if you scroll through our feed, it's somewhere in the 50s. Definitely encourage you to listen to that um, because I think we'll probably feed off of that just a little bit. But um, yeah, so we recorded that. I don't know, Chris, how long? I don't know, Dr. Jack, what, about six months ago or so-ish? April or May. Yeah, it was in April or May, one of those two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's been a minute. So a lot has changed for you. Uncle Jack, what, what's life like these days? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't say a lot has changed in terms of, you know, the mission statement, in terms of getting people to understand that decentralized medicine, you know, underpinned by, you know, the laws of nature are the key dictums that we need to follow, you know, to keep ourselves, you know, in good fighting shape, keep our brains working well so that we can continue you know, to live the type of lives that, you know, 
the founding fathers talked about in the United States, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, and um, there's been a battle for freedom um, in our country uh, and in and around the world. And last time, I guess I was on with you guys. We didn't really talk too much about stuff that was going on with the vaccine, but three years ago, I warned my members that when the vaccine came out, they shouldn't take it because I had a, a feeling that what happened in the first debacle of uh, vaccine manufacturing, which was the polio vaccine back in the 50s, that the same nightmare <clears throat> called the Cutter incident would happen in this one. And of course, you know, three years ago, that was kind of conspiracy theorist 101. And lo and behold, about August this year, maybe July, um, two PhD researchers decided to take up the challenge and uh, look at trying to explain the aftermarket data. There's this huge pulse in the aftermarket data that uh, just didn't jive with what, you know, the centralized powers that be were talking about. So this guy, Kevin McKiernan, who's a very interesting guy, he worked with Craig Ventner on the Human Genome Project way back in the day. So he's a very accomplished guy. He now is one of the lead molecular biologists that works in the cannabis industry, believe it or not. He actually tested um, uh, the vaccines and found that they had DNA plasmids in it and SV40. And lo and behold, Uncle Jack turned out to be right, because that's exactly what the problem was back in the polio vaccine. And the people who are my members then got the idea that this was a big deal. And then <clears throat> I went to Malibu, California with my friend Rick Rubin and Bobby Kennedy to actually talk about that issue. Uh, and truly what it meant, because, you know, Bobby wrote a book that I thought was excellent on Tony Fauci from Fort Detrick all the way up to about 2023. But I wanted to know if he knew the story about why we got this problem in the messenger RNA vaccine. It basically predates Fort Detrick and goes all the way past his dad, <clears throat> all the way back uh, past his uncle's assassination. And really kind of lands right at the end of World War II in the beginning of uh, the vaccination of Jonas Salk and kind of what happened there. And uh, Bobby knew bits and pieces of it, but didn't know the whole thing. And during the podcast, I told Bobby that <clears throat> DNA plasmids and SV40 promoters had been found in the new jabs. And he was kind of stunned at that. Uh, why? Because contamination is a is an open query for PI attorneys who can go after the government. The problem is people don't realize that Pfizer, Moderna, all the big pharma companies, they weren't the distributors of the vaccine. It actually was the DOD. And I warned people that that connection also was a problem. Why? Because even if you try to sue uh, – based on contamination, you're still going to have to sue the government. And that's going to be uh, a pretty bad endeavor. Uh, likely not going to wind up, you know, with a positive result for the people that are injured. <clears throat> that's part of the reason why if you look at my Twitter feed, what does it say? Do not comply. Um, and it's been that way for years. Why? Because I have a deep distrust uh, for the industrial military complex and the industrial healthcare complex. <clears throat> and turns out that my... I guess my gut instincts were proven correct 
because Kevin McKiernan, who's the researcher I, I told you about that work on the Human Genome Project, published the data that this contamination, in fact, was there. Then one of his big critics, who is a virologist at the University of South Carolina named Philip Buchholz, they got into kind of like one of those Twitter wars. So he decided to put the controversy aside once and for all and, and do the same test that Kevin did. And lo and behold, guess what Kevin's critic found? Kevin was right. So then Buckholz actually went and talked to some of the politicians. And you have to realize when you talk to politicians who are basically median idiots, they really didn't understand the implications of what this meant. And the problem, I guess you would say since August, has now magnified. It's gotten worse. I mean, if you guys are, you know, not brain dead and you're paying attention to all the stuff that's out there, you know, that's going on in Europe, in Australia, I mean, the aftermarket data is absolutely devastating for people who complied. And it's going to continue to get worse. It's not going to get better. This is this is going to be an ongoing battle. <clears throat> so where this crap me is in the summertime, since I talked to you last, last time, one of the governments in Central America, El Salvador, their president uh, wanted to know why I was so vocal about this on Twitter, and I wasn't censored like everybody else was censored. And I told them that, you know, my friends uh, in social media own Twitter. That was Jack Dorsey. He's one of my members. And that was the reason why I was never shut up about this. And then they asked me to come down and talk to the government because the government down there had really no experts. Even their health ministry was not uh, how shall you say, helpful to the president. And the president, you know, was honest. He said to me, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I was just following what best evidence we had. And now we've got this huge mess on our hands where a lot of people, you know, have gotten injured. How, how, how do we solve for X? You know, what do we do? This is a decidedly different approach than what we see the Biden administration taking. Biden administration has actually doubled, tripled, quadrupled down. The administration in Canada is even worse. They want to you know, continue on popping kids with you know, boosters. And if you understand what I just said, that this problem, it's almost like concussions. The more you get, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. uh, taking a booster uh, in, that, um, in that realm doesn't make any sense at all. So the podcast that I did with Bobby and Rick in October really opened people's eyes because then the story got out. The implications of this, I personally think, are probably not going to affect a lot of people because they don't understand the deep science of what it means. But I do think it's going to make people realize that um, they can't trust anybody in government, and they certainly can't trust anybody in the industrial healthcare complex. So that begs the question, okay, where do we go from here as a population? I posed the question to Bobby and Bobby was like, well, let's unleash PI attorneys on, you know, the people that were behind this. And, and as I said, I don't think that's going to be successful at all. And, you know, Bobby is a PI attorney, so I can understand his modus operandi um, in terms of that. I think he's actually starting to rethink his position because I told him in the podcast and even on our sidebars after the podcast that I think the only way to solve this problem is to have medical freedom laws. I told the same thing to the administration uh, in El Salvador. 
and I laid out a case uh, at something called the Palestra Health Summit, uh, where total time I spent over 20 hours with the administration laying out what I thought was key and germane to stopping this. And I told them there's no template anywhere in the world that has these ideas codified. I also went into the story <clears throat> that I don't know if, even if you guys know as Americans, because I have to tell you, most Americans are woeful in their own history. But a guy brought this up to Thomas Jefferson and John Adams was uh, Benjamin Rush. Benjamin Rush has a medical school in Chicago named after him called Rush Medical School. Most people don't know who Benjamin Rush was. He actually signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, he warned Thomas Jefferson that an angle of attack for the U.S. Constitution could be medical tyranny somewhere down the road. And Thomas Jefferson and John Adams actually liked this guy, thought about it, but never really could fathom a time where that would be an attack vector, you know, for our freedoms, okay? Because it had never happened in history before. Uh, lo and behold, um, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams are right for about 250, well, maybe 200 years. Then in 1980, uh, Dole Bai, these are two Republican uh, senators, one from uh, Kansas, the other one from Indiana. They're one, I think they're, I think one's dead, the other one is close to being dead. <clears throat> they passed a law that allows federal scientists to actually benefit financially from their work. That was mistake number one, because what did it do? It incentivized people who are working in the government to do things so that they can make profit. You know what Charlie Munger said, the guy that just died. You show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcomes. Two, year, two years later, Ronald Reagan hires Fauci. Fauci looks at that law and he goes, I know exactly what we need to do. He becomes a partner with Big Pharma. And in 1986, four years later, we get the legal liability shield for vaccine manufacturers. So now you basically have an angle of attack for the U.S. Constitution where you can use, you know, vaccines. Now, this is where Bobby did a really good job. He shows all the way back to Fort Detrick that almost every single bioweapon the United States has ever been involved with is tied to a vaccine. So it doesn't take a huge leap of faith to realize that these two things happening in the government are somehow related if you take it way further back. Um, Bobby's book really didn't go further back, but what did Uncle Jack do? He took it all the way back to where the, the rubber meets the road and why these things are happening in our life today. Because I, I really believe without understanding the historical record, you will not understand why this stuff is really important and it's important to our future. Why? Because if it happened once in the Cutter event, and now this is Cutter 2.0. I think, you know, something you said to me right before we got on the podcast, what's going to happen with the next one? Mm -hmm. And right now, the United States populace, the people I vote, they got off their asses the last election, which was good. Whether you believe it was a real or Memorex, you know, election or not. But the bottom line is 160 million people did vote. Um, but the problem right now is I think there's too much apathy uh, and too much nihilism. The apathy is probably in the older voters like me. I think the nihilism is in the younger voters, probably from my son's age down. 
because they, they just don't think that anything in Washington, D.C. will work. And um, because of that, there's really a lack of faith in our government. So that way people do not go out and vote and think that their votes matter. You know, you see a lot of that idea out there. So uh, when I shared some of my ideas with Bobby that I actually shared with the administration, <laughs> Bobby famously said to me, he goes, I don't even think Ron DeSantis could get those ideas passed in Florida if he was to do it right now because those ideas really would hamstring the powers that be in the industrial military complex and also in the industrial healthcare complex. And my response to him is, who cares what they think? The bottom line is the people are where the power are. And if you, the, the real issue I think for most people is we need to go back and reread the constitution and what it says. Um, and when you realize that the power lies with us and those documents are written to limit the power of the government against us, and you see what we just went through in the last three years, now the aftermarket data, <clears throat> when you see just how bad the science was corrupted, uh, and you take it back all the way to where the idea came from, because you know a lot of people in my generation and older are shocked to find out it goes all the way back to General Groves and the Manhattan Project. That's where this problem started, where the military thought that they could control science because that's what they did in physics to build the bomb. And they found out that it was a pretty good gig. Um, and they decided they were going to use that modus operandi for the next 75 years to run the war games in the United States. So that's why I told you before we started the podcast that basically COVID, for me, the way I look at it through my perspective that I'm trying to give to you now in a historical perspective, COVID is a compliance test for an economic reset. Bottom line is since 1971, we went off the gold standard. Uh, our money is being devalued. You need to have devalued money to run wars. Why? Because war is expensive. Uh, when we went off the gold standard in 71, Nixon did that. And if you think about every war that we've had from 71 onward, it starts really with, you know, Vietnam. Uh, and it just ended with the massacre that you saw in Afghanistan for 20 years that we spent trillions of dollars on and left all our shit in the desert. Um, then you think about how we're supporting Ukraine. And then you realize, you know, what Bobby has pointed out, that Ukraine and Wuhan are where when Fort Detrick became illegal via the Patriot Act after they knocked down the Twin Towers, um, you had to run the bioweapons lab off of U.S. soil because technically you could be, you know, put in for treason. So the Pentagon raised Tony Fauci's salary 67%. He made $50,000 more than the president. And he set the bioweapons lab up in Wuhan and in Ukraine. So if you want to know where the story with Wuhan and COVID comes from, Bobby does a great job laying that out. Most people don't understand the whole Ukraine mess why the Bidens are knee-deep into it in that criminal enterprise. But the bottom line is we are basically paying our, – our future taxes are paying to run the government of Ukraine so that we can keep our bioweapons uh, stories uh, quiet from the public stage. Because I think if the public in the United States really knew just how corrupt the Washington, D.C. elite is in the industrial military complex and healthcare complex – then I think you'd start thinking about why the First Amendment has been watered down by the CIA and FBI so that they continue to lie to us, just as the Church Commission found out in 77. 
But then it also makes you understand why so many people that support the industrial military complex want to eliminate the Second Amendment. Because the Second Amendment is kind of like, how shall we say, the last ditch effort where the people have the ability to take back the power from the government. That's the end result. Now, my opinion, this is where Benjamin Rush came in. If Benjamin Rush had to have the laws in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights for medical tyranny, we would not have to be talking about how the First and Second Amendment are being attacked. The First Amendment is already gone as far as I'm concerned, and you need to have the First Amendment gone uh, because basically that becomes the propaganda arm of the people in power, and you guys all saw that. That's the reason I was fortunate that I had friends in high places that wouldn't muzzle me even though I was a pain in the ass for people, but the way in which I did it was probably smarter than some of the other people you know, that got canned. Uh, now here we are, you know, three years after, and we have something what we call morbidity and mortality conference in medicine. We've got to now figure out how do we fix this? My opinion, you probably have figured out the advice that I've given the people who have asked my opinion is that we need medical freedom laws, a la Benjamin Rush laws, added uh, to our statutes. But the problem is when you have a captured legislative and executive branch, that's pretty tough to do. Because remember, that's who fundamentally drafts the laws. Then the president has to sign the bill to a law. So you can see that the industrial military complex and the industrial healthcare complex have actually thought about this really well. So therefore, the only part of government that's functioning in the United States is the, the justice system. Not the Department of Justice, because that's an executive branch captured agency. Um, we're talking about the Supreme Court. Everything is going to have to funnel down through the Supreme Court. You've already seen this, you know, where things happened in New York, where teachers were fired, firefighters were fired, nurses were fired over the mandates. And the Supreme Court told politicians, you didn't have... Uh, the power to do what you did. Therefore, you're going to pay these people back pay. This is a good thing. This tells me that the ideas of Jefferson and Adams that are codified in our laws, they have teeth. But here's my problem. The people that got screwed for three years, that got their livelihoods taken away, that had to run, doctors that had to go to different places, doctors that had to shut up all the medical boards or their hospitals would, you know, threaten them. And many of these doctors were fired on Twitter. You can go through the litany. I said to myself, I need to do something about this. Um, so I decided to take it upon myself about a year ago to start this process. And I can tell you that um, happy to report that things are moving in the right direction. And I think uh, in 2024, you'll be hearing a lot more from Uncle Jack being the squeaky wheel in the United States uh, that is pointing out that we have an election coming up in November. Um, we also have other people around the world that may decide to really put the screws uh, to this topic because they're going to do something big about it. Um, and that's going to make, you know, waves in the kiddie pool 
And it's going to make a lot of people who were in powerful positions very, very uncomfortable. The key thing is, though, will anything happen with the, the apathetic voters? You know, will they vote, you know, the way they should? Uh, I have no illusions that voting takes a long time in America to work. But the one thing I do know is I think all of us collectively have been through the same experience with COVID. And I think all of us are pretty jaded about it now, irrespective of your ideology, whether you're left, right, or independent. And I think now is the time. Let's talk about real solutions. And in my view, the only solution is to go back and add medical freedom laws to, you know, our documents. But Uncle Jack, real quick, it's kind of hard to differentiate. Like, I mean, if we're going to decentralize medicine, which, you know, I totally on board there with you on that. Don't we also need to decentralize finance? decentralized well, we already, everything. We already here's here's the thing I want to tell you. This is the beautiful part. This is one of the things I can give you plus five about our country. You actually have the chance to do that right now by buying Bitcoin. So I want you guys to think about something. We first did the podcast. I think Bitcoin was at seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars. Today Bitcoin is at forty four thousand dollars. So if you would have listened to me then, you'd have a hundred and fifty percent more money. Now let me tell you something. Um you don't need the government's uh, opinion to do that. You can go buy Bitcoin, and every time you buy Bitcoin, it's effectively doing this to the government. In my worldview, everybody should be doing that. Now, your mileage may vary. Your your people that listen to this may not understand Bitcoin. Bitcoin is absolutely freedom of money. Now, remember, the country that I'm in now, that I'm working with, uh, they decentralize their money supply. They still use U.S. dollars as legal tender, but they also have Bitcoin as legal tender. So the president here has told his people, when U.S. money fails, we've got an insurance policy for you. People in the United States don't have that. And what else has happened at the same time between our last podcast and this one? This one is probably the most important thing. Uh, if you're a bondholder, you know that bonds have gotten taken to the woodshed. You've lost 40 to 50% of your money. And just so you know, most people in the United States who own bonds are rich people. Rich people are not used to losing that kind of money. That's why you start to see like uh, Paul Tudor Jones and Stanley Druckenmiller, billionaires, come on or Ray Dalio and say, you know, this Bitcoin thing is probably not a bad gig. Maybe, maybe you should have some in your portfolio, you know, to help you offset the failing U.S. dollar, which is the U.S. Treasury market. And why is that important for people put, to put together what I just said? I just told you in healthcare through COVID that we have destroyed trust in systems. The same thing is happening in money in the United States. That's what inflation is. Remember, inflation is taxation without legislation through monetary policy. The guys that are in cahoots with the Fed are the two captured agencies. Why? Who who writes the spending bills, my friends? Congress. Oh, look at that. See, Americans don't do a really good job understanding how basic economics works or basic, um, how you call civics, you know, that we used to learn, at least when I was in school in third, fourth, and fifth grade. Today, kids are not taught actually how this whole system is built. So when you see truth lost 
in institutions in medicine and, and the military, it should be no shock to you that the same things happen in finance. Here's the cool thing. You don't need anybody's permission to go buy Bitcoin right now. In fact, I would tell you buying Bitcoin is more effective than you voting in the next election. Why? Because what are you saying? I want to move my money from the federal system to a system that's decentralized that no one controls it. There's no CEO and there's no central bank. See, to me, that's a really powerful statement because you know what that effectively does? It takes money away from Big Pharma and it takes money away from the industrial military complex so they can't keep fighting forever wars everywhere where they want to go, like in Ukraine, you know, to support the corrupt politicians that are in Washington, D.C., who, as my friend here in the center console said, you know they're going to do this shit again because they've gotten away with it before. And I, I agree with them. But we're past the point of the blame game. Now it's we the people collectively have to have discussions like we're having right now. These are not fun discussions to have. They're not. You know, we want to talk about health. We want to talk about fitness. We want to talk about those things. But guess what? If you don't have these basic freedoms, does any of that shit matter? No, it doesn't. And I always tell people the most valuable asset all of us have is time. So what am I functionally saying here in this opening of the podcast? Health and wealth are fundamentally linked. And if you don't get that, you're a dumbass, a big time dumbass. And there's a lot of people that don't. Like they don't understand that and they can't even connect the dots to something as simple as COVID was the greatest transfer of wealth in history. It you was. Know, they showed up to, and it please show up to my front door telling me to shut my business down. People can't connect right. the dots. So, you know, which goes into the next element, which you talked about a little bit. It's also an element, uh, a key element in decentralized medicine, but that there's actually skin in the game. Like, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm afraid of is that people are so apathetic and they're so, they are so focused on survival at the moment that all of the intentional chaos that's being created, they don't, they're unaware it's too fast. There's too much shit so, going on. And so, so let me are people you, let me really going to put themselves out there to make these needed changes? Let me, let me tell you a story that we all know. Maybe it'll resonate a little bit with you for saying that. Let me tell you why my perspective is a little bit different than yours. Remember the story of Noah's Ark? Started yes. building the yeah. ark when it was sunny out. Okay? Everybody thought he was crazy. Okay? Then it started to rain. Then mm -hmm. it continued to rain. Then the water started coming up a foot at a time, and all of a sudden everybody around started going, mm -hmm. hmm. Guess what? That's exactly the situation that's going on in the world right now. The problem is nobody's drowning yet. They're just getting uncomfortable, like you said. So everybody's level of un or discomfort is a little bit different. Now, you could probably tell my level of discomfort is probably a lot uh, lower than you guys. Why? Because I've been affected by this years ago. I knew this was coming seven, eight, nine years ago. So I've been actively... <laughs> preparing for what I think is coming. It's part of the reason why you guys are still in the United States. And I only go to the United States when I absolutely have to, to do the things I need to do to continue to make my business work. But, Oh, we've talked I'm, about leaving the country. We're, uh, we'll, we'll come down there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually telling you that what's going on here is freedom is being returned through politicians back to the people. 
But remember, the people in the United States want you to See, believe I don't even that believe the guy have freedom. That well, as a side note, when you pay over fifty percent of your income to the government, you're effectively a slave. Correct. And I, I agree with that. The point that I'm trying to make to people is that the people in the United States want to paint the administration here as a dictator. And I'm like, I don't know how you can consider anybody a dictator who actually gave them freedom and money. Just remember, freedom and money now is law here, constitutional law. We don't have that in the United States. Now, as I told both of you, it still doesn't matter because you can buy Bitcoin in the United States now if you're smart enough to do it. Um, but the big issue is there's an arc being built down here, okay? And it's got special cubes for different kind of animals. They can't take all the type of animals that the United States have. Why? Because the United States is all about the Walmart game. We give everybody a trophy no matter what. <laughs> now, right. Salvador, it's about the size of South Carolina. So guess what it wants? It wants all the artisanal animals, the animals that get it, the animals that know they're going outside and working outside is smart, the animals that know that circadian biology matters. The animals that want to do something to build their world to make sure there's freedom. You know, like the guys that fought the British, you know, the guys that ran farms that decided, you know, you're not going to tell me how to pay taxes and you're not going to tell me who to worship. At, at 3% those tax? Yeah. Right. <laughs> those guys. Those guys yeah. You know, those guys that were our forefathers that basically put the middle finger up to King George in 1774 and said, you know what? We're sick and tired, and we're not going to take it anymore. Now, I don't have any illusions that the 360 million idiots in our country, there's maybe 80 million of them awake. And out of that 80 million, I think right now in the United States, maybe 1.5 million own Bitcoin. But guess what? They're not going to get upset about the story that I just told you about PlasmaGate or the SV40 gate. And they should because their health is being robbed by this. But they're really going to be pissed off when they see that their money is worth nothing in the next 5, 10, 15 years, then, then I guarantee you that people are going to listen to this podcast and go, Uncle Jack was telling us that the ark was being built when it was sunny out. We all thought he was batshit crazy. And it turns out he's got a little cubicle on that sucker that's got a nice bed in it with, you know, beautiful down pillows. He's got a porthole that he can look out to see the sun. Why? Because he prepared. He knew what was coming because he didn't trust anybody that was in control. And I think you have to decide how you want to play the game. The beautiful part of decentralized lifestyle is you are the CEO of you. Like when you go into the gym and make a determination, I am going to work out today. That is a determination that you and you alone make. And you put a value judgment on You say, this is important for me. If you go to the store and you're willing to pay 30% more for food that's grown on a farm by a farmer in a farmer's market and not from a CAFO farm or from some industrial um, uh, farm in Iowa, you are making a decision to, to do that. Just as you are making a decision to buy Bitcoin, just as you make a decision that, hey, maybe I need to have a citadel where freedom is being built. Um I don't think that civil disobedience is a strong enough term for what we need to do as voters. I think all of us need to realize every single fly in the ointment that we cause for them is a good thing. And I, I'd strongly recommend that people go back 
and really read what happened between the colonists and King George. They made King George's life miserable because he was trying to enforce his will and use military power to do it. It's the same thing that's going on right now. And you don't realize that you now have evidence that guys in the military were telling Twitter, telling Facebook, telling everybody who to censor because they didn't want these messages out because their military operation, which is what this was, was to get their modus operandi through and enforce it on us. Now, remember, in this country, there's still a rule of law. The, the third branch of government is still operational. We have actually seen a pulse in our country. But it's incumbent upon us to wake up, like to put the Netflix down, to put the video game controller down and go, I don't need to watch, you know, the, the Colts or the Titans games anymore when people are actually trying to stimulate me. Because remember what happened in Roman times when the shit hit the fan, give them the circus, give them the gladiator. Yep. Games. Keep them distracted. And that's exactly right. what's going on right now in our world. But the problem is no one wants to sit down and think about those issues. Well, guess what? I, my personal opinion, maybe I'm the crazy one. I think COVID has woken up a lot of people. I think that yeah. a lot of people have thought, you know, that my modus operandi was crazy for 20 years to keep pointing this out. Because remember, I was screaming about this when no one else was. Okay, yeah. that's how I why I use the analogy of Noah, and then I just happened to fall in to how shall we say a relationship with this guy Bukele, who used the term at a UN speech, "I'm going to build an ark for my people." And I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting," because we as Americans think that freedom is defined by our border. I'm going to tell you, freedom is defined by our documents, and our documents are under attack by guys like Biden. Um, guys like Trump, to be quite frank with you, I think the all the politicians uh, that are in the executive and legislative branch are a problem. I actually said this to Bobby Kennedy. The fact that Bobby Kennedy is the only guy running for president who's for Bitcoin, for me, that gets some points. The second reason he gets points for me is because he's now waking up to my idea about medical freedom. He knows that he'll never get it passed, but the thing is, he should be talking about it. And that has changed in the last two months since I've talked to him. And I, I will tell you that when I see a politician that's willing to adapt because he sees an idea that might be better than his, you know, that is a change because I can tell you Trump's still talking about lockdowns and Operation Warp Speed. Sorry, dude. And remember who he made his Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin from Goldman Sachs. That's two thumbs down for Uncle Jack. And Biden is even worse. Why? Because he has got the architects of complete communism surrounding him. You've got Elizabeth Warren running his monetary policy. He's got, you know, an SEC chairman who won't even give you a Bitcoin ETF, a spot ETF. Why? Because they're trying to run the game and run the table so you get a central bank digital coin. Why? Because that you think paying 50% taxes is bad? Can you imagine when your money has time decay on it? And they tell you, oh, well, you can't go to the gym and pay for this because you don't have a high enough social credit score because we don't like what you were saying on Twitter because mm -hmm. that's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. 
And it's almost like they're already doing that in other countries, and people kind of want to turn their head to that. But Well, they're doing it in China. And, <laughs> That's I mean, what I'm referring every, to. Yeah, Everybody knows that China is not what we call the most democratic place in the world. That's what I'm referring to, right. but people still have a blind eye to it. But, you know, and I think all the things that you're bringing up are incredibly relevant. We're, you're on the right show because, <laughs> because yeah, this, is, I mean, this is what we believe. And there's a large segment of you know, the population, maybe not large, but there's a portion of the uh, population, myself being a part of that, that does not feel that even somebody like Trump, whether you like him or not, is extreme enough that Mm -hmm. if that this should have been handled in the beginning and he didn't handle it and he's still not doing things the way that it should be done and that the pendulum is going to swing back the other way and it's coming. And then there's going to be people that are asking and demanding a more extreme type of leader. And I, I think kind I of seem to recall be, that's how a guy got, named more Hitler came into power. Yeah, I, right. don't think, I don't think that's going to happen in the United States, but I do tell you what I do think is going to happen. I don't think anybody's getting to 270 this time. And here's the sad part. I think that's really going to wake up people because then nobody gets their choice. And then the Speaker of the House, that's the reason they just had the big fight with the Speaker of the House. They put yeah. Mike Johnson in. Did, didn't He's McCarthy getting, just leave today? Well, <laughs> kicked out today or something? He, he left yeah. a couple of weeks ago when Matt Gatz basically ran him out. But the bottom line is most of the people that should have been in line, they got wiped out until the industrial military complex got the guy they want. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Mike Johnson's going to likely make the case. And guess what happens then? Do you think anybody's going to be really happy on November 6th in 2024 when mm-hmm. – I mean, if you felt like the election was rigged last time, how are you going to feel when you realize, oh, well, this all came down to a guy in Louisiana who doesn't even have a, a big-time pedigree? He's actually the Manchurian uh, Speaker of the House. I mean, we've had Manchurian presidents before in Truman um, and and probably Gerald Ford, but this is the first time I can remember the Speaker of the House, at least in the last 150 years, is being – Put in this situation, I I actually envision even something crazier happen that we may get the 25th Amendment for Biden because the Democrats realize that he's not electable and they need to get somebody else in there who's at least functional and they can't use the idiot who's the vice president because she's she's as bad as Biden is. So the issue really becomes, do I see problems ahead for America on the freedom front. I do. And I think those things, in fact, the monetary issues and the politic issues, I think are going to lead to more change than actually the SV40 story. Now, you know me as a doctor, I'm far more interested in the SV40 story because of what it means. And remember, the reason the industrial healthcare complex is, is going this way is when you make people sick, they're easy to control. And when they're Sick and easy to control. They have to spend money in hospitals. That's why we spend $4.3 trillion in hospitals. And that's a pile of money that they can go in and steal to run their forever wars. So is that the end game or the monopoly game that Uncle Jack sees through this whole thing? Yeah, I just laid the cards out on the table. This is the reason why every city in the United States' most profitable business is the cancer center in your city. Okay, it's the most profitable part of healthcare. And remember, Nixon is the one, the same guy that devalued our money, that 
announced the war on cancer in the same year. I don't want you to think that this was a coincidence. These two things are linked. Why? Because you need to create a pile of money to rehypothecate so that you can run basically a Ponzi scheme to steal from one to the other. And that's exactly what's being ha uh, happening right now. And that's why the government controls hospitals now through HHS. Remember, all of that happened after 9-11. You know, that's when HHS and all that came in. Nobody in the federal government, or I should say nobody who votes, has asked the federal government, why is HHS part of this? Now you're beginning to see why. You're beginning to pull the curtain back. And this is why I said to people on the Bobby Kennedy podcast, I'm going to say it to you guys. I've been repeating this over and over again because I really want it to resonate. Ten years ago, I was a conspiracy theorist, okay? <laughs> What's the difference between fact and fiction? Fiction has to make sense. The truth doesn't. In fact, the truth never does. Why? Because if you're missing key points of the data, it sounds ludicrous. Well, guess what we just laid out here? Now you're starting to see how all the pieces really fit and you understand what game's going on. And guess what? Who came up with the, coined the term conspiracy theory in the 60s? You know who that was? That was the CIA and the MK Ultra uh, program that I mentioned in the Bobby Kennedy um, podcast. And this gives them deniable plausibility so that they can go on and have Brennan and Dick Cheney and Liz Cheney tell you guys like me, we're conspiracy theorists, but here's the problem. Now I can come on a podcast like you and cogently, unemotionally lay it all out for you, lay it out for your listeners and say, I do not want you to go and do things that support their narrative. Okay. It's as simple as that. I want you to do things to support you as the CEO of you, you as the CEO of your family. I want you to look to your left and look to your right. Do not be afraid of talking about these things to your friends and family, okay? When you hear this podcast and you know there's somebody in your family that is an obedient idiot, even if you know it won't resonate with them, share it with them. Because guess what? Two or three years of getting taken to the woodshed when their money gets devalued, they may start to wake up and you'll have already have Bitcoin. You may be in a better place. You may have said, you know what? I stashed a little money. So that if the shit really does hit the fan and people start shooting at us like it could happen when society begins to break down. I mean, we saw that, you know, in Portland. We saw mm -hmm. it in Chicago. We see it in Chicago almost every weekend now. Or, or maybe throw us in concentration camps that was actually well, listed on the White House <laughs> website that right. they built. Yeah, well, that's already happened in COVID. I mean. Right, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but people don't look at it like that because remember – that narrative is something that the industrial healthcare complex and and uh, military complex don't want you to know. Like, mm -hmm. if you really want to know one of the biggest concentration camps, and I'll probably get in trouble for this. Try this to, episode's going to get taken down anyways, Uncle Jack. So, I mean, <laughs> try, try to leave a hospital after you check in because you don't like the opinions of the doctors or nurses that are in there. Like, for example, if you have a baby in the hospital and you decide you don't want your vitamin K uh, jab, try to. Try to leave and see what happens. You'll have Child mm -hmm. Protection Services, another government agency, breathing down your neck to take your kids away. Um, as you said before, 
we we have the facade of freedom. We don't really have freedom anymore. And it's about time Americans wake up to that and get madder than hell and do something about it. So what have I been doing since the last podcast? I've been doing shit about it. Well, that was a uh, 48 minute hell of an intro. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I want to hear what you're doing. I could talk. I get very upset about the COVID thing. I get very angry because people don't see what we're talking about and it couldn't be more blatantly obvious. But, uh, so tell us about this arc. What are you doing well, down in El Salvador? Yeah. yeah. Can, can I, can I actually kind of even shrink that question down a little bit tighter? And that is, you know, so along the lines of what John just said, what does a decentralized medical practice look like? What does that like? So building the arc, I mean, that specific part of the arc, what does that look like? How does a decentralized, okay, I, I don't have to follow the standard protocol type thing. What does that even look like? means that there's uh, at the top of the list informed medical consent between you and the doctor. It's separation of the state from healthcare. Uh, doctors adjudicate doctors. And here's the, big, the biggest one. You take allopathic medicine, run it against functional medicine, run it against chiropractic care, run it against homeopathy, run it against every freaking snake oil, shaman, salesman, supplement seller out there. And then you see where the chips fall. It's a meritocracy. And guess what? The doctors police the system, even when the government pays for it. And then after about two, two and a half decades, we find out truly has the, who has the best return on equity for the public health. See, we know in the United States that allopathic medicine, we spend about $4.3 trillion a year on healthcare. The return on equity is horrible, which all of you guys know um, in terms of chronic disease. So clearly what we're doing is not working. So therefore that should be the impetus to change. And is that what happens in the centralized healthcare system? No, because the pigs that have created the centralized system are feeding at the trough. So you have to break the system a la, you know, Buckminster Fuller who said, instead of trying to fix the system from within, let's just blow it up and start over. So the idea that I've given the people that have asked my opinion is how would you build a system like this? So I just gave you the decentralized wheel. I'm actually telling you, I want to go head to head with the idiots that I fight with on Twitter. We're going to find out if light water magnetism is better than food and exercise. We're going to find out if taking glutathione, you know, even if it's liposomal, makes any sense at all. We're going to find out if uh, being a meathead carnivore and working on a blue lit gym is the smartest thing in the world to do. And guess what? It's not going to be Jack Cruz's opinion. It's not going to be your guy's opinion. It's going to be done at a countrywide level. And then after a period of time, we get to figure out what's good. And then, then we go down that path. I want to ask kind of a simpler question for, for the audience. And I'll preface in saying that um, I've considered my wife and I have discussed it. My wife is a, is a, you know, doctor in naturopathic medicine. There's things in Tennessee she can't do like everything um, because it's, uh, it's illegal, but right. I've considered, we've actually both considered leaving the country and going to medical school somewhere, you know, somewhere else. Um, can you share just maybe what the medical side of things looks like outside the United States? Cause I think there's a lot of listeners that just they're in their box of the U S and they don't understand what it, 
you're told that it's terrible. You're told that the resources aren't there. Can you, you know, shed some light on that? Well, it's not true. In fact, uh, let me tell you, well, this, there's, there's a two prong approach. It is terrible because they follow the United States. So (laughs) that centralized system is everywhere else. So don't think that's not the case. The problem is they don't have as much money as we do. So like, for example, in Canada, you'll have to wait six months to get your hip done versus getting it done next week by the orthopedic surgeon in Alabama. Um, But that doesn't mean that your return on equity for your health is any better off. Here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing uh, in foreign countries is that the healthcare can be delivered quite well. So let me give you an example of one of my members um, who's actually got, I'd say one toe in El Salvador, but two arms, legs, and his body in Southern California. And part of the reason I think he's getting taken to the woodshed. When he was making flights to and from, he wound up getting a blood clot. And thankfully, when he got the blood clot, he was in El Salvador. He was taken uh, to the hospital by one of my um, employees. And he had the problem completely navigated for less than 500 bucks. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that could have ever happened anywhere in the United States? And here's the funny thing. is The doctor who is a vascular surgeon in El Salvador called me up on the phone and apprised me of what was going on at every step. And, of course, the patient gets on and said, do you have a problem with anything he said? I said, no, this, this is absolutely how it should be done. And when he shared with me what the final bill was, because he actually paid in cash, because, you know, there was no... He said to me, he goes, this bill costs less than my healthcare premium in the United States. And I was like, so is the idea of insurance in the United States also a centralized scam? I'll leave that for you to decide, <laughs> but I will just tell you that um, healthcare doesn't have to cost a lot to be effective. And that also is one of the ideas that's buried at the core of decentralized medicine. Now, of course, a lot of doctors are going to have an issue with that. But my belief is if we build the health, best healthcare system in the world, it's kind of like that movie I'm sure you guys saw. If you build it, they will come. And we're opening like the doors to everybody and giving them a chance to see if what they really believe is true. And I think when you really understand evolution at its core, Evolution is also a meritocracy. Not every animal survives. That's why we have extinction events. And this is part of the reason why I don't believe everybody should get a trophy. Because the the laws of nature say not everybody's designed to do well. And the people that make bad choices, let me give you the flip side of the decentralized paradigm. If you tell a patient exactly what they're supposed to do and don't do it and say they get a blood clot, the doctor is not going to get held accountable. You know who is? The idiot who didn't listen to the doctor. And then they're going to pay more in my system. Oh, no, no. There's, Dude, this sword goes both ways. This isn't just about penalizing the doctors. This is actually going to be about getting the patients right. And, you know, guys like you two are going to love this because then you're going to say, that means people are going to be held accountable for the things they do, you know, in their in their personal time. Like, are they working out enough? Are they exercising them are they performing movements that they should move the bare minimums so that they can continue to be productive people in society 
That's the essence of a decentralized system. We need people to understand that everybody has to have skin in the game, not just the doctors, not just the nurses, not just the naturopathic doctors, but the patients do. And I'm kind of telling you the same story about voters, right? They got to have skin in the game too. What about the, the people, the 200 million people in the United States who didn't get off their ass to put the chips down, to turn Jerry Springer off, to go vote in November? And then they're bitching and moaning about the demented asshole that shits in diapers that's running our country, okay? So they have no skin in the game. So why are we listening to the obedient idiots? Unfortunately, the politicians are catering to them. That's why we have apps for San Francisco to tell you where human shit is all over the city. We shouldn't be tolerating that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, you know, there's a president down here who looked at the bad press that he was having from his bad hombres, you know, several years ago, and he locked them all up. I just walked downtown El Salvador last night, San Salvador, to see the worst part of the city where it was four and a half years ago when he was elected. And parts of it are still pretty bad, but you should see the parts that have been fixed. Unbelievable. I mean, when I tell you, pristine, everybody was out in the square, happy, smiling. There was no crime. Just so you know, there hasn't been a murder in this country in over 560 days. Can you say that about each one of your states that you live in right now? Oh, they must have really strict gun laws then, clearly. (laughs) The, the, the The funny thing is, is that when you return freedom back to the people, see, this was the idea that was buried in our constitution and people have the right to live their life because that's really what our constitution says. You, you, you don't need to go take something from somebody else. And I see a, a group of people who, you know, I use this analogy a lot and hopefully you two guys are Southern boys. So you'll understand this. I want you to think about 20 years after the civil war in the United States. Can you imagine being a black dude on Peachtree street in Georgia? You think you'd have a smile on your face? But they're 20 years after their civil war, and I haven't seen anybody not with a smile on their face. So Mm. what am I trying to tell you? That freedom is being returned and that we all should seek freedom. And I think we need a beacon of light somewhere in the world that shows this. Like we just saw another big change in the world in Argentina. We had 60 mm-hmm. years of communism just voted on by the people, and they and they voted in a guy who basically wants to cancel the central bank. He wants to, you know, dollarize his economy and bring Bitcoin in. He wants to follow Plan Bukele after 60 years of communism. And here we are in the United States. We've been tolerating probably the move to communism since Bill Clinton's administration. Oh, yeah. So people actually want it. Right. There's, I don't, there's some I don't brainwash know, they want it. I don't know. I don't know what the pulse is in the states that you're in. I know in the state that I have property in both Louisiana and Florida, um, they're fed up both of those states. They just got rid of a Democratic governor in Louisiana and they just put a law and order guy in. And Florida probably has the best governor in the country, in my view, in DeSantis. I'm actually kind of glad that he's falling apart in the the presidential election because you know what? 
I think the Citadel for the United States is actually Florida. And I think mm -hmm. anybody who's a, you know, a freedom loving person should consider Florida. And I know that's happening because it's booming down there. Everybody wants to come there. Uh, and I think the same thing is starting to happen in places like um, Tennessee and I think Florida, places where there's no state income tax. And I think people are fed up. So there's going to be citadels. There's going to be zip codes in the United States where people congregate. But the real problem in the United States, the population centers, they are real problems. And I just think that you have to make a decision when you want to get healthy, you have to do the right things. And I think when you want your economy healthy, when you want your finances healthy, when you want freedom in your job to tell your boss to go fuck himself, uh, I'm not doing that just because you tell me that you want me to roll my sleeve up or, you know, you're an airline pilot that now has myocarditis and, you know, they won't let you fly flights without, you know, two and three pilots on board and they want to reduce your pay because you've got this complication that they forced you into. Yeah, I think it's time for us as a country to really think about what happened to us the last three years. And then let's decide. Let's all collectively decide. Um, I guess part of the reason I'm here is because I don't have too much faith in the people in the United States. That's what I'm telling you. Not, I, I've already lost the faith in the politicians and the industrial healthcare complex. But I'm telling you, I've now lost the faith in most of you. Okay? So I decided to take my ideas of arc building to places where people said, hey, you know what? I'll at least listen to you. Tell me what your ideas are. And maybe some of the ones that stick, maybe we'll do something about it. Why did I sit down and talk to Bobby Kennedy? Because I wanted to know why he was a Bitcoin, fundamentally why. And I wanted to know why he wanted to unleash with PI attorneys and not go with medical freedom. And I know why now, because he doesn't think he can get those things through. But now he's rethinking on. I, I think that's a good thing. And there's not there's not everything about Bobby Kennedy that I like. I'll be the first one to tell you that. But I have become, as I've gotten older, almost a single-issue voter. If you are not for the basic core of freedom, I'm not interested. It's got to be, for me, medical right. and Bitcoin. Everything else is superfluous. Like, even though I may feel strong, say, about um, some of the more uh, electric topics, like abortion— that's not going to get my vote. Well, my there's vote above the line and below the line issues, Correct. and that's what they do every time is they throw these below the line issues that people get emotionally heated over, right. and, and that's I mean, how they sway it. Right. Yeah, that's a good and description. I think, yeah. I just think that we have to be smarter than that, and if you're not, then I think if you're not happy with the federal election, then I think you need to look at a state – and go to that state. I think that's really what's happening in the United States for the last five or six years. I think it's clearly happened during COVID. That's the reason why some states are more popular than others and why other states are losing population. But I want to know when Americans get fed up. And for me, I my members certainly were fed up when they found out that I was right about SV40. Um, but I think most of the people are going to listen to this podcast. The punch in the face that's going to get them to realize what Uncle Jack's been talking about for 20 years is when their money is devalued and they realize they go to the bank and they can't get their money out because that's already happening. It's already happened to several of my members. 
Oh, yeah. They try to do things. They've had to move their money to money center banks because the regional banks won't give them their money because if they do, they'll go through a collapse. They'll, they'll go bankrupt. That's because the money isn't worth anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no, you, you hear there's stories of that. I mean, big names, their money's getting locked up because of censorship or whatever. So, like, it's already here. It's coming. Right. You know, um, it's coming and it's going to continue to grow larger. So I, I'm, I share the same belief as you do um, with that. We've actually done an episode or two kind of about this before, about medical freedom. Do you it, believe there's any hope for change in the American medical system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm to be honest with you, people who are listening to this, if you persisted through all this uh, opening <laughs> foray, I'm very optimistic. But the way in which I think it needs to happen, I've already given you a clue. I'm, I'm about the Buckminster Fuller way. I don't think that I could have the effect that I'm going to have in the United States. I can't change that system. And Bobby Kennedy feels exactly the same way. So that means that I'm going to have to do something pretty radical somewhere else as a beacon. In other words, put a pelt on the wall and say, bro, there's a place that's doing this shit right. Just the way the 13 colonies did, you know, with the rest of the world when they told King George in 1774. I'm going to tell you the one thing that I'm pretty convinced about Americans is when you push them far enough, they will get pissed off. And I do believe if you build it, they will come and they will come in droves. And when they come in droves, they are going to get very, very upset with the architects that are swinging pitch axe at the columns that are present on the Lincoln Memorial and in the Capitol building and at the Supreme Court and in the White House. They are going to begin to realize they are ruled by a den of criminals that Thomas Jefferson warned us about. But you have to realize, can't blame it just on the politicians. We're complicit. We put those idiots in there, and now we have octogenarians like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi and, you know, Dick Durbin. These people should only serve one or two terms, and then they need to be out. Nobody should have this centralized control, but guess what? It's up to us, we the people, to get that Mike Tyson punch in our mouth. You guys know you have to give that punch in the mouth to a lot of the people that come to your gyms, the, the people that want the changes, but they're not willing to do the work. That's not how proof of work works in nature, my friend. You know, the, the great white shark has no concern for the baby seal. The, the the lion has no concern for the antelope. So if you're an antelope, you better get your game up and start running. You, you better be fit, you know? And, you know, when you understand this game that's going on, this is part of the story that you guys probably won't like, but I think you'll understand why I say it. I don't think it's survival of the fittest anymore. Now I think it's survival of the wisest. I heard you say that. And I yeah. think you now understand why I'm saying it because – you can actually be proximal to this information right now, just like you're on this podcast, but you still may not get it. You may still, I don't understand why Jack Cruz, you know, spends so much time in El Salvador, why he wears a Bitcoin shirt, why he owns Bitcoin, why Bitcoin and health are tied together. It's this story. It's what we're talking about right now. It's proof of work. Nature works on proof of work. 
Bitcoin works on proof of work. They're the only two decentralized networks in the world. One's natural, one is artificial. But guess what? They're most thermodynamically efficient organizations on the planet. Therefore, they need to be part of your blueprint as the CEO of you and your family. It's as simple as that. Well, well, John had asked me before we even came on there, he's like, what are we going to talk about today? And I was like, well, the reason why I brought up decentralization as as a as something to discuss, even though we are a we're a sports, you know, podcast, I was like, because this affects everybody. Even if they don't think it does, it is going to. Let's, let's talk about, let's talk about this because I got I got an angle for you that is going on right now in current events. I think both of you like. Let's talk about decentralization. You know that Aaron Rodgers follows a lot of stuff that I do. He's decentralized. He owns Bitcoin too. You know, he's at the Bitcoin conference. I'm so um, glad you're going down this path. Yeah, last year. <laughs> four four seconds into the jet season, he tears his Achilles. He's now twelve weeks out and he's actually contemplating coming back. So I remember before we did the last podcast, everybody's making fun of him from going in the deep dark hole. Do you know who else went in the deep dark hole about fifteen years ago and wrote a blog about it? And people mm-hmm. thought I was crazy too. But let me ask you a question. How many people do you know that come back from an Achilles repair in 12, 14 weeks? It, yeah, they say it's impossible, right? That's incredible. Right. So guess what that tells you? That maybe there's some magic in decentralized medicine that you cats need to learn. I agree 100%. Yes. Yeah. Agree 100%. I get so asked that what? question probably daily about Aaron Rodgers. I told you about the Drew Brees injury. Uh, I can give you the flip side of it. What's going on? Darius Leonard's going to get taken to the woodshed in, with the Eagles. Why? Not going to work. He's, his back surgeries and his multiple concussions took a former elite athlete um, who's making poor decisions. Just because he's 28 years old doesn't mean that these things are going to work out for him. <laughs> Athletes that embrace nature and the fundamental key things – Light and dark cycles, they win, and they will do things that will astound you. And remember, Aaron Rodgers is no spring chicken, guys. He's 39 years old. And, you know, we also have other former NFL players who were elite and probably may even get to the Hall of Fame. Steve Smith said that the Achilles tear is the hardest thing that he's ever had to come back from, and it happened late in his career. Mm -hmm. Is that that story true with Aaron Rodgers? Hmm. Is Who's wrong? Is it Steve Smith that works out in the blue lit gym all the time or Aaron Rodgers that goes in a hole and sees sunrises and eats an epi paleo diet while he lives on the beach? Hmm. That, let, let's, let's think about that. Is that not decentralized medicine 101? Is not not a two frontal lobes embracing nature? Mm-hmm. Well, the inquiring minds that listen to this podcast – then they have to decide, maybe I need to start looking at this with a more critical you know, eye. Maybe I need to start embracing this stuff. I mean, I tell everybody the single most important thing for you to do is to see the sunrise every single day. Well, I'm not kidding you. That's absolutely something you should not miss. If you don't believe me, you can go on my Instagram for the last three or four days. What I do? I just film a little video to watch the sun come up, to remind all the idiots out there that are on their phone not watching the sun to open the damn window and go look at the sun. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how stupid some people are. Uh, and you have to realize it's my job to take care of you than the dumbasses. You know, I don't want to focus in on them, but I have to still, you know, tell them I have a duty to inform them. They don't have a duty to follow what I'm saying. But remember, those are the people that I give everybody a chance. Like I, I have a saying, I, I can't be considered a racist because I hate everybody equally at first. Then I decide who <laughs> I disagree. Um, and the same Love thing that. with patients. I, I, I tell patients, I will do what I can to help you. But here's the caveat. Here's the big but. Uh, I can't give you my 100% if you give me 10% effort. See, that's the flip side of the decentralized idea. And I think when we embrace this stuff and we see like the paradoxes that are happening in the sports world and you actually take off, you know, your fan glasses and go, yeah, what's really happening here? This story should be a way bigger story than it is. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't like Aaron Rodgers, Mm-mm. you know, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, but the thing is, the oh, reason Pfizer like- ads owns all the ad space. And they'd rather pump out Travis Kelsey constantly about getting the double jab. Right. Exactly. Totally. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I mean, (laughs) I think that was a great interruption because I absolutely agree with you. And just think about, you know, who he's dating now. It makes perfect sense who he's dating. You know, another Mm -hmm. centralized shill. Um, I I would just tell you, um, we all have choices to make. The choices that you make around light are probably the single most important choices you'll ever make. Most people don't come to that realization until it's too late in the game. Uh, If you are smart about light and you treat it like your arc and you start using sunlight early, you won't have to worry about getting put in the saucer's grinder of a hospital. You you just won't need it. Um, And my job as a decentralized doctor is to show you that you don't have a pharmaceutical deficiency. You have a solar deficiency. You have a deficiency of magnetism and grounding that affects your free radical signals. You have a deficit in water because your water is fluoridated or chlorinated. And once you realize that these things really matter and they can really impact your health and you can stay away from the oncologist, you can stay away from the diabetes specialist, you can stay away from big pharma solutions, then I've empowered you to be a strong, wild human so that you can go and do other things you want to do. That gets to your point in the middle that you said to me, Jack, so many people are are just surviving. They're not thriving. Well, guess what? They make these changes. They start getting more time in their bank account, their biologic bank account. Then they may wake up that Maybe I should convert some of my fiat to Bitcoin so that I can buy a Citadel where I'm outside. Okay? I'm outside. Outside. My insides are even outside. Okay? You know what did that? Not neurosurgery. Bitcoin. Sold. Um, Are you good on time, Dr. Jack? I don't don't know. I'm I'm just sitting here. I finished my day. I'm good. (laughs) Um, you know, I have two things I wanted to say. One is like for people that still aren't listening to what Dr. Jack's saying, and we try to take Dr. Jack's information and pass it on as well. Y'all know, if you're not, if you're listening to us for the first time, 
I go on my rucks every morning. It's a huge part of my life now. And Uncle Jack over here is really responsible for that. And I can physically tell if I don't go do it. Even if it's rainy, I still do it. But another element is, and I know you've seen it uh, thousands of times probably, but there's somebody in, in, in that I'm connected with around our area that, that was dealing with a pretty significant um, cancer that had spread to, to multiple regions. And they, uh, they almost beat it. Uh, and then what you saw is everything came back fairly harshly, I would say. And one of the elements that caught my attention was the amount of travel and the amount of uh, entertainment venues, I'll say, that they were at when they were feeling better. And mm-hmm. it's like, all you got to do is connect the dots. Yeah, I, and I mean, I, and, people don't realize that, uh, you know, cancer at its core is a metabolic disease controlled by mitochondrial biology. The problem is, if you start doing the right things and you can reverse or slow the process down, great. But here's the problem. Uh, heteroplasmy is a bi-directional event. It allows you to move up and down. So if you do things right, but then you start doing things wrong, it's going to come back with a vengeance. Uh, and I kind of try to lay that case out in the podcast with you. Remember, I didn't go deep in into the implications of it, but I told you the story that Mammals innovated metastasis, and it's because cells need UV light. We live in a world now that demonizes the sun and UV light. So I want you to think about what traveling and going to venues means. No UV light, lots of blue light. Well, that's actually stimulates cancer. More non-native EMF, less disconnection, or I should say disconnection from the earth. Those things all eliminated what do cancer cells functionally what are they they're really stem cells that have defective mitochondria that are looking for uv light to get past the mitosis stage of the cell cycle and people who are listening to this who are not scientists are like what did he just say i would tell you that you need to understand the paradigm of cancer that is in the centralized world they give you drugs to block the spindles to stop mitosis they actually make it worse okay uh, it turns out that uh, your vitamin D level almost completely correlates with how well you're going to do with cancer, especially if it's an epithelial cancer tied to neuroectoderm. Say that uh, one more time. You kind of cut out there. Could you what I'm that? saying is that your vitamin D level is a proxy for your redox, and vitamin D is made by UVB light. UV light is the key. UV light is what makes melanin in your body. That was really the whole story that me and Rick and Huberman brought out. But what most people don't didn't know in that podcast, when I said, and I brought up the onion skin or the onion root experiment to Huberman that he needed to read about biophotons, that when this Russian scientist in 1923 cut the onion root, he noticed when he put glass in front of it, mitosis didn't happen on the other side. But when he put quartz in between it, mitosis occurred and the onion continued to grow. Okay. Normally. Well, The interesting thing is in mammals, when you put glass in front of it, then you don't get any mitosis and normal cell cycle growth. You create a stem cell on the other side. That stem cell actually is what becomes cancerous. That is your, yeah, yeah. Now that. Right. And what metastasis functionally is, is actually cancer cells that are looking for a UV light source. Like when they can't find it deep inside your body, it comes to the surface to get it. Uh, 
And we use that in our evolutionary history 65 million years ago when the sun was blocked from the asteroid that hit in the Yucatan Peninsula that took the dinosaurs out and the age of mammals, you know, took over. Those little furry creatures that were under the ground came out. They had all their melanin in their skin and their hair, and they sucked it all inside. And that's what started us on our path to us, the silly talking monkeys. Um, and I don't care if you believe in God or evolution. It's immaterial to me. The bottom line is the same damn stories in the Bible about light. You can read Genesis 1, 1 to 1, 15, and it's let there be light. What's the problem with religion or the Bible? God didn't tell you what the freaking recipe is. That's what that's what some of us are trying to tell you. So the issue really is, once you understand fundamentally how important light is, when your friend did what he did and started using his two frontal lobes to break nature's laws to do the shit that he wants to do, like when your wants, needs, and desires trump the laws of nature, guess what nature says? We're going to take you out. That's why nobody should get a trophy, okay? That's what extinguishing life is all about for evolution. If you don't follow her rules, remember, just because you're a human and you have a Ferrari engine in your head and you think you're smarter than everybody, if you make decisions, you are still tied to her fabric. You are no different than any other wild animal or plant on here. If you don't believe me, put a tarp over a tree and see how that tree does. Not very good, okay? If you put sunglasses and clothes and makeup on your wife and she gets breast cancer, you shouldn't be shocked, okay? That's actually what happens. It's very simple to understand. But the problem is the architects in the centralized system will tell you this is conspiracy theory. Oh, remember? We're back to that story again. That's where Uncle Jack was built as crazy. And now, 20 years later, all the papers are out there that say, you know what? Jack might be right. So, so you go ahead. Finish. I was going to say, so you, as the CEO of you, have a duty. If you heard something in this podcast that interests you, jump down that rabbit hole. In other mm -hmm. words, your friend who went to the oncologist who thought he was doing really good, following all their rules, he didn't get told any of this. But shit, you can hand him this podcast and say, listen to what Uncle Jack just said. He just explained why he went down the shitter. Yeah. It's no mystery right. to him. Now, so I want to go down another rabbit hole with you because you made a comment. You said that because we have this Ferrari, you know, in between our ears here. And for the age of humanity, what has separated us is our ability to think, to process. We are smarter than other animals out there, which has led to our survival. But I, that's I about to I'm change. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure that that's correct. Okay, I, I, I'd love to hear your take on it. I'll finish in saying, humans and then you can tear me apart. Two to four to million years, okay? Do I Just, now? Humans have only been on the planet two to four million years. I don't think they're going to have the length of time that dinosaurs had. Just so you know that. That. Well, shit. Okay. Uh, I'll, let me think. All right. <laughs> that's a that's a good point. I want to go back to that too. But now I'm headed into I'm headed into the to how AI impacts central you know yeah. centralized medicine because again it you said we're no longer the smartest creatures on the planet it does it, it's already been proven like Mo Gadot has talked about this over and over and over like just I, I would just tell you your that thoughts I want you to think about uh, you're a workout guy so I'm going to try to make this 
really makes sense to you. If you take the stimulus away for somebody in your gym, are you going to get muscle growth? So if you take the stimulus away for people to think via AI, do you think they're going to improve their thinking or is it going to atrophy? It's going to atrophy. There's your answer. So guess what? The architects of the design of AI are part of what? The industrial military complex. Where did AI come from? DARPA, DOD. It's the same freaking story that we Mm -hmm. talked about at the beginning of the podcast. So if you embrace you know, the evil empire that's eating the world, are you going to have a, are you going to have a place on the ark? Again, this is a rhetorical question. I don't expect an answer, but did I answer your question? Yes. Anything that nature requires you to do many, remember moving through your environment, thinking, contemplating, that's actually how the Ferrari engine grows. Okay. That's how it survives. When you limit the stimulus to it, nothing good is going to happen. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. I I think uh, it's a very dangerous thing that's that people are flirting with. I think it's going to change a lot. I think it's going to impact. It's the, okay. Those the are jobs the people, a lot. Some look. But, I've I've not said this to you, but I'll say it to you because I think you'll understand it better after this podcast. Uh, some bridges are made to be burned. Not everybody uh, needs to survive. I mean, that's the reason why Max Planck said that science improves one, you know, funeral at a time. I, I actually think it was beneficial that Charlie Munger just died. You know, he called Bitcoin rat poison. Um, so nature had a solution for him. He lived a long time. He definitely milked the fiat system for a long time. But I also feel the same way about several of the health influencers that had six packs who are now dead because they took the jab. Do I feel the same way about Steve Jobs, who died at 56 years old from his own devices? The answer is yeah. I mean, do I think it's an epic fail that a guy dies with $9 billion uh, and doesn't realize that, you know, the word laptop that he put in the lexicon actually is what gave him a retroperitoneal cancer or, you know, the little iPhone spot that he had in his Levi's that you saw at every place. He was just constantly irradiating the organs that he wound up getting the cancer. Very similar to your friend's story. And then he compounded it by doing even more stupid shit. But that shouldn't surprise anybody. But the thing is, Steve Jobs is smart enough even to write his own bibliography that he didn't let his own kids use his technology. So what does that tell you? It's good enough for my customers, but not good enough for my kids. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That should make you think. No, absolutely. I'm still thinking about the dinosaur statement, though. <laughs> People don't realize how long dinosaurs are on the planet. Humans have not had a big run on this planet. Uh, I would tell you that I think humans have intelligence, but not all humans use it. In fact, my opinion is I could make the case that we are the most ignorant uh, of all the animals on the planet. Why? Because I have to teach humans quantum mechanics. I don't have to teach lions and hippos quantum mechanics they just do what they're supposed to do. Well, I think I think our our capacity to understand what our mind is truly capable of has been intentionally diminished. Like I, I truly don't believe that we are we even know what we can do, and I think that's a control mechanism, in my opinion. And that can yeah, get really well, you know that, conspiracy that theory. Was the basis, just so you know, that's not conspiracy theory. I, I don't know if you really listened to what I said to Bobby Kennedy in that video, 
but all screen technology, all blue light technology came out of the MK Ultra program that the CIA instituted. But you, do you know where they got that idea? This is the funniest part of the story. They got the idea from the mafia before they built Vegas. Why? They made all the, the walls in the casino, uh, the painted, spray painted them and painted them with black paint. Then they put one-armed bandits with blue light in there. And they found out that they could take money from people pretty easy if they just made a blue light toxic. And then how did they extend the effect of loss? They fed them alcohol. So they lowered their dopamine level even further, chemically and with light. So what did the CIA do? They said, can we modify people's dopamine level in their frontal lobes to make them more controllable? That's where the idea for MK Ultra came from that was done at Tulane Neurosurgery and Tulane Neurology in the 50s and then in the 60s. And what did they eventually do? How they studied this, they put wires in the top of a bull that was charging at, you know, a matador. And with a, a wired device, they stopped the bull in its tracks. So then the next step was, could we do this wirelessly? So they started to use EMF, wireless technology, like to send your cell phone to do the same thing. Then they got the, the last idea before, you know, Edward Kennedy allowed them to destroy all the records from MK Ultra. They said, could we do this with light frequencies? And that's the reason why, functionally today, every screen that's ever been built is blue lit. That's the reason why. Because blue light destroys dopamine levels in your brain. It makes you an obedient idiot. If you want to know the reason why people don't care about what's going on in our world right now, think about how everybody interacts with the world. Very similar to how they're going to watch this podcast. Mm -hmm. There's your answer. That's the inconvenient truth. But it's the truth. Remember what I told you? The truth always sounds crazy until you have all the data. And, you know, 20 years ago, I didn't have the data. I knew that I was right. Now I got the data. Now I can I can hammer you in the head with it. And, you know, when I did the podcast with Bobby and we laid it out, Rick even looked at me and goes, dude, he goes, the way you just went through that and you and Bobby got it. I said, because he understands. He understands his family was killed over these kind of decisions. I mean, just think about what's going on in the world right now. Whether you like Bobby Kennedy or not is immaterial. I actually said this on the podcast. Don't you think it's kind of disingenuous that President of the United States hasn't given this guy Secret Service protection? I mean, let's face it. His uncle is killed. His father's killed. That alone, even if you, even if this guy's Hitler, he should still deserve Secret Service protection. But guess what? That tells you all you need to know about the industrial military complex and how they control the executive branch. I love having you on. Dr. Jack, <laughs> I learn so much every time we talk. Absolutely. I, I, I am so grateful for what you do and for taking the time out um, to talk just with us remember, again. Just remember health, wealth, and thinking, they're all linked together. I hope the people that listen to this podcast realize that this wasn't an exercise really in politics. If you think that this podcast was about politics, then you're a dumbass. I wouldn't spend a lot of time with you. I want you to understand this podcast was about do you have enough thermodynamic energy going through your frontal lobes because of your mitochondria? Um, and then realize if you heard something that's interesting here and say, okay, it, it's the mark of an educated mind to take something I fundamentally don't agree with or don't believe and examine it for yourself and see if I'm right or wrong. You know, 
come down and and take a look at El Salvador and compare it to I don't know Chicago or Los Angeles or Atlanta uh, or even Miami uh, or your hometown and just tell me what you see. Are are mm-hmm. are you seeing the same thing here? Are you seeing all this growth and and things being built and brand new roads? I mean, I just had an uh, aeronautical engineer here who just left today. He just saw the people that took him to the airport walk by. Uh, he says, I can't believe the roads in this country. It's like unbelievable because we don't even have roads this nice in Utah. Well, I said, nor will you, because guess what? Because all our money's in Ukraine. Right. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, any, any final thoughts, Dr. Jack, anything you, you want to close out with? Don't settle for less than you deserve. Stop selling for a B, a C, or a D when an A is available in everything in your life. That includes uh, exercise, diet, politics, ideology, quantum mechanics, uh, your lifestyle, your money supply, your job, your employer, your wife, your relationships, your kids. Kick ass and take names. Become a savage. Okay? Don't don't think everybody needs a trophy. In fact, sometimes your kids need a kick in the ass, just like your wife may need a kick in the ass, or your your husband may need a kick in the ass. See, look, you keep this shit up, and I'm going to show you what life is like without me in it. Sometimes people need that. They need the punch in the mouth. That's what decentralization is. When the caterpillar bites the leaf on the plant, that DC electric current goes to the plant, and the plant says, okay, I have to have defenses. We need to do the same thing. That's how we're built too. But we don't think about it like that. And you need to. And if you have friends, your best friends should be walking into your life when your life is falling apart. The people that are running from the ship when your life is going apart, they're not your friends. Okay? Cut them. Get rid of them. Prune your network. Keep the people that really matter because you need their eyes to look out for your best benefit. They may be the ones that tell you, hey, this shit that's going on here in Washington, D.C., this is no bueno. We need to do something about that. That, I want you to be a savage. I want you to be a wild human. I want you to be able to think. And and when you see somebody on Twitter or somebody in Walmart doing the wrong thing, like buying an iPad for a two-year-old, you go up and say, that's digital babysitting with blue light. That's child abuse. That's terrible. Don't feel bad about telling people the truth. Even it makes them feel bad. I'm so sick and tired of people in the world telling me that we got to be nice to each other when people are doing shit wrong. No, absolutely wrong. Speak the truth. What Elon Musk did the other day on Twitter made made me very happy. Bob Iger, go fuck yourself. That's what we need to do. And all of us need to stop supporting anything Disney. Stop taking your kids to Disney World because it was a good idea when you were a kid. It ain't a good idea now. Stop doing it. Stop watching their movies. The only way you're going to get change in this world is to become the change you seek. That's that's being a savage. That's being a CEO of you. That's being decentralized. And and give two fucks what anybody thinks about your opinion. I mean, I could tell you, I think you guys both know after doing two podcasts with me, my mouth's not a bakery. I'm going to tell you the truth. Whether you well, want to hear it or not. That's part of the reason why we love having you on, though. 
Absolutely. Some people do and some people don't. Some people run away from it. Well, Dr. Jack, hang, hang out for a minute. Um, I had some, there's something I want to follow up with you off air real fast, but um, I just wanted to publicly again say thank you so much for your time. We appreciate this. Guys, share the show. Listen to what Uncle Jack's got to say. Help get the message out. This is important that people hear this stuff. All right. So, guys, we appreciate you. We love you. Dr. Thanks, Jack, Dr. thanks Jack. for joining today. Okie doke.